I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, and welcome to our next amazing episode of Beauty Bosses. I am here with Marissa Vosper and Lauren Schwab, who are the co-founders of Negative Underwear. And Negative Underwear is a really cool company because it's a direct-to-consumer intimates company. So, you know, underwear, underclothes, lingerie type of thing. Um, Born and raised in New York City. So let's talk about your company. So tell us a little bit about how you guys met. So Marissa and I met uh, freshman year of college at the University of Pennsylvania. We were both in the same sorority and have stayed fast friends um, since then. So it's been a long time now, about, I don't know. We don't need to age ourselves. Many years. Um, okay, great. And so, yeah, I know. I feel like those friends from freshman year of college are the ones that stick with you forever, right? Um, and you guys are now business partners. So how did you go from being undergrad sorority sister friends to, you know, I know you have worked in asset management, private equity, brand strategy, these totally different fields. And then and now all of a sudden you're entrepreneurs. So how did that happen? So after college, Lauren and I both went into respective careers, Lauren in finance, myself in branding, and fashion was always this sort of hobby for the two of us that never really felt like it could be a career path. Um, Having gone to a school like Penn, you get pretty quickly ushered into medicine, law, finance, consulting, and that's what we did. But after about four years of pursuing those careers, we started to feel like there was something missing and that we weren't really realizing what we loved in our career. And so we decided to take night classes together at FIT and think about what we could do in the fashion world together. And um, really it just gave us an opportunity to talk about ideas and think about white space. And since both of us came from business backgrounds, we really felt like we had to pick something in fashion that had a lot of business opportunity where we could really bring something unique to the table. Um, So how did you land on underwear or undergarments? So... um, you know, we thought about this white space, and I think Marissa and I felt like we put a lot of thought into what we wore on the outside. Um, we cared a lot about clothes, but we never thought about what we wore underneath. And frankly, we begrudgingly bought what was on the market, whether um, because it was what was available, but we always felt like we had to compromise. So you're picking something that was really functional, but not necessarily something that you were proud to wear, or you were picking something that was designed but often not that functional, and frankly, not designed to an aesthetic that really met our style. So we felt like there was a real opportunity to create something that was both beautiful and functional and accessibly priced for every day. Yeah, and I think there's something kind of special about lingerie and intimates because even though they're under your clothes and other people aren't seeing them, wearing great intimates can really put a spring in your step and make you feel confident and project yourself in a different way, you know, than wearing like, you know, a ratty or ill-filling, ill-fitting or, you know, otherwise uncomfortable or unstylish undergarment. Yeah, we really think of buying yourself nice underwear as an investment in yourself. It's, you're really doing it only for you because often you're the only person that's, that's wearing it and you feel it every day. So if it's uncomfortable, then you're the one that's feeling that. 
Um, but you don't obviously want to sacrifice aesthetic to only have something that's comfortable. Yeah, I think that's interesting in my line of work too because for certain procedures, you know, labioplasty, breast reduction, breast lift, you know, body contouring types of things, the world doesn't see that surgery and hardly anybody does. Maybe sometimes nobody sees it, but it can really change the way you feel and project yourself, you know, on the, on the outside. So you had this idea that intimates were a really great space, and then what did you do? I know that you guys are self-funded, so you're 100% owned by yourselves, which is amazing. How did you go from night classes at FIT to that? It was a many-year nights and weekends process. Um, moonlighting was definitely a big part of our lives. We really had to learn from the ground up how to make bras and underwear, and so it first involved understanding the fabrications that were included as the component parts. And so Lauren and I spent sort of a year traveling around New York City trying on every single bra we could get our hands on and trying to dissect what we liked and what we didn't like about the componentry. Um, most often criticizing what we didn't like because it felt like most of the products out there weren't made with the person wearing it in mind. Um, once we had a good sense of what we were going after, we then went to fabric fairs to try to find our materials. And part of that process was really about elimination because so much of the fabrics that existed filled that aesthetic um, niche that is so commonly associated with lingerie. Everything was pink, everything was floral, everything had bows, everything had ruffles. And so we really weeded out all of that stuff to find things that were like, that were a lot more smooth and silky and seamless and comfortable, but still had a bit of like a slick or a sleek aesthetic. Um, and so that process really took a number of years and then we from there we started actually making physical prototypes. So what's the ethos of the brand? Um, you know, La Perla is frilly beautiful French lingerie, Victoria's Secret is sort of more um, uh, pretty mass market, more accessible lingerie. What What is negative underwear? Um, we often say less is more, so it's taking away all the unnecessary things that often make undergarments uncomfortable. Um, so removing bows, padding, push-up, lace, uh, no tags, just cutting back to the absolute essentials and making them the best of the best. Okay, great. One way we've been described is comfortable plus cool, and I think most bras fall into one or the other. <laughs> Either comfortable or cool, and now here you go, you don't have to choose anymore. And you've been getting lots of traction. I know that lots of people all over the place, first of all, regular people, but also some pretty fabulous people have been raving about your product. So I know Cardi B is wearing negative underwear on GQ, um, Emily Ratatowski, uh, Eva Chen, Eva Chen, Alexa, Chen. Miley Cyrus. Okay, so you've got a lot of fans, and what do you think people are seeing in negative underwear that they didn't see in their their previous lingerie? I think that um, lingerie was so clearly bifurcated into beautiful or functional, and I think, like Lauren described, we're really trying to create something that marries both. I think a lot of women um, they really are drawn to the idea of reductionism so that what remains is comfortable and functional but still has a minimalist aesthetic that marries up with brands like Eero or Rag and Bone or Helmet Lang or, or brands that are sort of like resonating with women in a ready-to-wear capacity didn't really exist aesthetically in lingerie and that's really the niche that we're trying to fill is for this contemporary woman who's shopping 
at sort of more minimalist ready-to-wear brands, there wasn't a lingerie brand for her. And um, I think women really appreciate that from a product perspective, but then equally from a marketing perspective, I think they appreciate a brand that's really all about championing and supporting women as opposed to objectifying them and putting them out there as sex objects, which is most of what our competitors do. So um, now, once you had the concept of negative underwear and you were sort of ready to take the project to the next level, how did you develop your first set of prototypes and your first you know, set of products? So it really started with um, first making the, the contacts, and um, we did that by going to this fair in Paris called Interfilier, where we really were introduced to a lot of the raw materials, but then also garment makers and sample makers, and kind of through a web of just literally talking to anyone that would talk to us, we were able to get connected to a sample room in the garment district in New York City, and we did our initial prototyping there. And it was quite a long process. Our first collection was five bras and um, six bottoms. And that probably took about a full year to get that, um, that prototyped. And then once we had the sample garments, we sourced a factory. And my family's background was in children's wear manufacturing. So I was lucky to have some contacts there that introduced us to our initial factory based in Medellin, Colombia. And we would take many trips down to Medellin to meet the factory to do the uh, initial development. And, um, and that probably took about another year to actually get our first production run. So in all, from concept to first collection, it was about a four year process. Wow, so a lot of planning in the works <laughs> there. Yeah, there's always a backstory. It always, you know, there's that expression that uh, every overnight success is 20 years in the making. Of and course. so, yeah, you can be an overnight sensation, and um, but there's a little bit of a backstory. So I, I like that that we finally hear a little more about the process. So, um, when you created your first run of your line, did you? Were you hedging your bets and making a modest number of uh, items, or did you just go for it and make thousands and thousands of um, items to, to put into the world? We, we had minimums we had to meet. So knowing the two of us, we might have been more conservative than we had to be, um, but we met the minimums of the factory that was required. And because we had a number of styles, that meant a decently significant amount of inventory, but we really had no idea what to expect, I think. How many items do you think we made in our first production run? It's probably about three or four thousand, and at that time it, it felt quite significant. And I think the way that we got to that to come um, to become comfortable with that number, as we said, how much are we willing to lose from this? We're gonna do it, and what what number do we feel like we're okay if it all goes away? And I think. That's how we sort of agreed that this was an amount we were willing to invest and see what happened. Yeah, like the casino rule of gambling. Right. <laughs> how much are you willing to, to leave without? Right. And exactly. that's what you do. Okay, so I like that. And then what did you do? So you have three or 4,000 uh, items of lingerie to put into the world, and then what? We were very... I guess you could call it luck, you could also call it talent, who knows, um, but we were very lucky, as we say, to have 
come into the right place at the right time and we met with an editor at the Wall Street Journal who really loved the collection and having not come from press backgrounds we didn't really appreciate what that would mean she wanted to cover our launch with an exclusive piece in off-duty on the weekend and at the time we looked at ourselves and we said sure like Wall Street Journal maybe Vogue would be nicer and thinking back on that how silly that sounds we launched on February 1st 2014 with um, like a quarter page in the off in the off-duty section of the Wall Street Journal and had such an incredibly large response overnight that we were both stunned. It was, you know, in order every minute for the first week of our business. Um, and those customers are still customers for life. I think that that article really did give us an enormous launch pad um, beyond what we ever could have expected. We sold out of our first production run in the first month. And I think it also gave us insight that perhaps the customer we thought we were targeting was potentially broader than um, than we initially thought. I think the Wall Street Journal customer wasn't necessarily who we thought we were going after. And we had a number of anecdotes of husbands tearing out the articles and leaving it for their wives or um, you know, women in finance or lawyers reading um, and, coming, and coming to us, which was really exciting. And it became a, a garment that could also be for someone in a professional space as well as a fashion space. Wow. Okay. So after your initial very successful launch month, did you decide to expand the number of SKUs that you were making or did you expand production? What was your strategy? Well, we launched with a really edited assortment, which was actually advice given to us by Neil Blumenthal, who's the CEO of Warby Parker. Um, We met with him when we were in product development phase and he said, SKU management, you know, start smaller, start narrower, learn about your customer and then go bigger. And so we started with an all-black collection with that in mind, Um, but we always knew that we wanted to have a much wider assortment of neutral colors. And so after we launched with black, we immediately put white into the mix and um, immediately started working on our first neutral, which was a peach tone. Um, And so that was sort of the initial progression, as well as adding new SKUs to the mix um, from a stylistic perspective. But we launched pretty narrow, um, bras and underwear only. And your launch was about four and a half years ago, is that right? Yeah. Okay. And what has happened since then? Tell me about the trajectory from launch to now. <laughs> Let's recap four and a half years. Ready to go. <laughs> it also feels like 15 years. Um, I think probably one of the most significant challenges that we faced and continue to face in our business is um, supply chain management. I think one of the things that makes negative so unique is that we hand select every component that goes into it. So our elastics come from Japan, our fabrics come from Belgium, our hook and eyes come from France. Um, Every component is thoughtfully selected with both of those ideas, function and cool and and comfort in mind. Um, But as a result, we are individually buying each of those components and shipping them to at, this, at the initial stage, shipping them to Medellin, and then the factory was manufacturing. And that's sort of a non-traditional way of operating in the fashion space. Often what you do is you go to a factory, you bring them a prototype of something that exists on the market, and you say, I want to make this maybe with these adjustments, and then the factory will source the raw materials for you and make it. And of course, there's um, it can be more efficient, it can be 
a simpler supply chain because the factory has the relationships with the material suppliers. Um, if something goes wrong, they can manage it more quickly. Um, the brand isn't taking on all the upfront cost of purchasing the raw materials. But we felt like what would really differentiate us in the market was this sort of hand selection of all the components. Um, it's what we continue to do to this day, but it has certainly proven to be a much more challenging and very complicated approach that I think it's partially training your um, factories to get comfortable with it and also being very proactive about potential challenges. So I think one of the, the big things that has happened um, since we've launched is we've now moved our production out of Medellin, Colombia, and we're now um, in Hong Kong. And I think that change was partially because um, we weren't getting the product as quickly as we needed to be getting it with our original factory. And um, a lot of the suppliers that are in China um, and Hong Kong have really sophisticated uh, um, machines that allow you to um, get incredibly high quality product and they're also willing to work with us in this sort of unique approach. Okay. Um, so for people who haven't been exposed to negative underwear, can you tell us what the basics of the line are? So, you know, are there certain key items that you really try to highlight? So our, our core, <coughs> excuse me, our core collection is comprised of um, bras, underwear, bodysuits, and sleepwear. And really, I think we've become the most known for our bras. Certainly, when you Google us and look at reviews and press mentions, a lot of people have talked about how unique our bras are and that we've really achieved this balance of an incredibly comfortable bra that you don't feel like you're wearing, but you're still proud to wear without clothes on. Um, but as we've grown over the past four years, we've also expanded into other categories that we felt had white space. And so sleepwear is one great example where Lauren and I felt that in a similar way to lingerie being the sort of afterthought of our wardrobe because there weren't great options, we felt like sleepwear was this part of our wardrobe where from college you inherited all of these like old t-shirts and sweats and you wore that into your 20s and then as we started getting into our 30s we felt like that wasn't really reflective of where we were in our lives but neither was stuffy pajamas that are like crisp and cotton nor negligees and so we didn't feel like there was a sleepwear option that spoke to us and so we started thinking about sleepwear that would still feel very on brand for us that felt like comfortable cool easy to wear easy to pack um, that you could potentially also wear out to get a coffee and so we created that vertical um, about a year and a half ago, and we've started adding, expanding based on the customer um, interest, which has been great. Okay, what's your marketing strategy? How, how are you expanding and reaching um, new clients? Um, in a number of ways, I think we, we organically grew in the first number of years without any spend on marketing, and that was primarily through great press, um, everything from the Wall Street Journal to L to the Coveter, to Refinery29, to Forbes 30 Under 30, we sort of had like this plethora of press that really launched our brand and has continued to support us. And then on the flip side, social media has been a great channel for us organically. Um, I think 
so often lingerie is put out into the world in this very like serious sexy way and it feels uncomfortable or even taboo to look at and we've put out a vision of lingerie that I think feels a lot more comfortable to people even playful sometimes funny and it feels like we're engaging women in a dialogue about the fact that we all wear bras every day and we all wear underwear every day and it doesn't have to be so stuffy and so I think we get a lot of people <clears throat> following our brand on Instagram because it feels like something they want to be a part of, even if they aren't necessarily customers yet. Um, those would be some of the organic memes that we've been able to market ourselves. And then as we've grown and had a bit more budget, we've been able to invest in things like paid marketing, um, pop-ups, and things like that. Um, collaborations coming down the pipeline. So we've started to expand into categories that some of our highly VC-funded peers have been doing for a long time. Cool. So what's next for you guys? Um, we have a number of things next. I'll, maybe I'll let Lauren talk about product, but from a sort of more marketing broad strokes, we have a few different collaborations in the pipeline, one of them with sort of a big name media influencer platform, um, one of them with a big retailer. And um, those are both really exciting things coming within this calendar year. And in terms of product, we launched a tank and a high like a high waist brief that we call the whipped set um last fall and it's done incredibly well it feels like you're sleeping in a cloud and so we're expanding that line to add a little bralette and a pair of matching bottoms and a long sleeve shirt um, and we see this as being a core fabric that will continue to grow um, so we're also adding colorways and then we have a couple of new bra styles that are coming. I think we often get feedback from customers that um, all of our bras right now are unlined, meaning that um, some of which are sheer, some of which are not sheer, but they don't have any kind of um, lining for nipple protection. And I think some of our customers are requesting that. So we have a bra that's coming that will offer, offer that. So we're, we're excited. Cool. And so now, you know, behind every great success story, there's always a little bit of challenge. And people always um, gravitate toward the sort of glossy after effect of the success story. But I'm interested in hearing a little bit more about some of the biggest challenges you guys faced. Did you ever feel like this wasn't going to work out? Was there ever a crisis moment? And how did you respond to that? I think... Um Definitely the supply chain issue that I was speaking about earlier has been our biggest challenge from the beginning. Yeah, um, I was reading that you had a one-year wait list at some point. Mm -hmm. So there was, um, our, we had raw materials sitting at the factory ready to be cut, and we it was just replenishment of existing products. So all the patterns were there. The factory had made it before. We just couldn't get it made. Um, There's nothing that we could do. I flew down there non-stop talking to the manager talking to the on you know the production team um and it, it just wasn't going to happen which is part of the impetus behind us migrating away from this factory but it was certainly scary it felt like um we there was nothing that we could do to get the product and obviously if you don't have product in your product business then it's very easy for you to, to disappear so we had to be really careful about how we spent um, the money that we did have and also how to continue to generate interest in the brand while we figured it out. And how did you placate the customers who were waiting for a year for their underwear? 
We, we've always invested in customer service from day one. I think it's been a really important aspect of our business to have a real thoughtful, intelligent human sitting on the other side of your correspondence. And so any customer request that asked about the timelines for restocks or expressed frustrations, like we really heard them, we listened to them, we gave them a genuine answer as best as we could. And we had, we had to be creative with what we had. We still had certain things that we had in stock and we just were creative. We added embroidery as an option. We re-photographed all the things in our collection in a new way. We gave it new life. And I think um, we took the time to spend a lot of effort on content and like really showing the way that the brand could come to life outside of just launching new products. Um, so I think we just continue to have a dialogue with our customer both in a one-to-one -one way as well as in a marketing way to let people know that we were still working on things and it was coming and we were being creative with what we had. And that seemed to work out. You know, we are amazed at how loyal women are to their bras. Um, I think once you find a bra that you love, you really hold out for it. <laughs> and you didn't have people saying, you know, I want my money back, I don't want to wait a year, etc. So we didn't actually accept orders um, orders from anyone. So it okay. wasn't as if people had paid for their oh, product. Oh, I see, I see. You just said you were sold out of certain yeah, items. So I see. So we, then we never sell more better. than what we actually have in our fulfillment center, which is in New Jersey. Okay, so that yeah. makes sense, and yeah. I feel like that's a great yeah. approach. Yeah, we've learned our lesson. Don't take pre-orders. <laughs> yes. <laughs> do you guys have a lot of employees at your company, or how? What is you have? How, how do you, what's your management structure and how do you manage your company? We keep things super lean. We like to say that we're small and mighty or punch above our weight. And I think that we are really proud of that fact. Um, we look at other companies that often are grouped as our peers in articles. And I think they have, you know, five people to take on what one of us does in like 1% of our day. Um, so we feel pretty proud of where we are. Um, we have a small in-house team, but we have a large network of freelance help. So I think that's the way that we've been able to make it work is really keeping the core tight and making sure everyone has like very clear functions that are necessary and then bringing in tons of great freelancers for all the other stuff that you flex depending on the nature of the season and the business. And I think that allows us from a financial perspective as um, we have a small fixed cost base, most of our fixed costs are in uh, production and raw materials and product and then um, as we are growing or as we have good months we're able to allocate capital to other areas to help us grow perfect so you know this is beauty bosses so i wanted to ask you guys a little bit about um what beauty means to you and what being a boss means to you i think beauty to me means um investing in yourself and having self-confidence we often believe that um you're only as beautiful as you are, as confident as you feel. And um, so I think if you feel good about yourself, that that's often the most beautiful you, you actually look. Yeah, certainly confidence in your own skin and feeling good regardless of what external projections upon you might come across as. I think you can find the most beautiful person and they can be really insecure beautiful in the sort of societal norm way and then you can find someone who's not traditionally beautiful in a societal way but they're super confident and I think all of us have come across those people and those people are truly the most beautiful um, because they come across in such a different way but being a boss <laughs> um, I think that the difference that I've learned about being in charge versus having someone in charge of you is really 
having conviction in your own ability to make decisions and also to get better and better at delegating and not micromanaging. Um, I think we've all had those bad bosses that like don't let you do your own work and I think being the best boss is allowing the people that you work with to flourish and giving them the tools and the resources to do that and just being there for sort of like the high level oversight and um, guidance as opposed to dictation. I would agree with that. <laughs> okay, amazing. Well, this has been really fun. I wanted to gift you guys both products from um, My Skin Caroline as a little thank you for being here. And I know that you both were interested in the hyaluronic serum, but you know, similar to you, that is one of our um, best-selling products, and we are totally sold out. <laughs> it's awesome. like our yes. tenth round of being sold out That's of that. Awesome. So um, we know that. But, yeah. So you know the feeling. Don't worry for anyone listening. We're restocking soon. <laughs> but in the meantime, I would love to gift you our um, lip plump, platinum lip plump. It's like our best-selling product, and it's a medical-grade lip plumping gloss. So. It, actually, I was thinking of my work a lot during this conversation because what I do is all about form and function as well. I want things to look beautiful, but I want them to be you know, healthy and medical grade and functional and all of that. So it's a lip plumping gloss that contains niacin and hyaluronic acid and ceramides, which are all naturally occurring kind of healthy derivatives that nourish your lips. Um, as opposed to the ones on the market that have like chili pepper and cinnamon and they just traumatize you into having a plumper pout. So it's a really great product and I hope you guys love it and then we'll restock the Hyaluronic very soon. Um, thank you so but much. Thank you That's for so being generous. here. This was really fun and I loved hearing about your story and I can't wait to check out Negative Underwear and um, <laughs> see what all the fuss is about. <laughs> thank you.